Gracious Father, this morning we thank you for the beautiful sunshine that you have given to us. We take it as a token of the grace of, of your warmth and your kindness that you sent from heaven to earth. Father, we ask also that you send forth your Holy Spirit into this humble abode. Be with uh, the ears and the minds of uh, my fellow listeners. Be with the lips and uh, my heart as I speak. Father, we seek not to... Um, to just be eloquent and to intellectualize. But, Father, we seek to understand what you would have us to understand, deeper truths, the character of Jesus, and more elements of this great controversy that we live in. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. The, the, the seminar for today, we have a four-part seminar. You're welcome to go in and out. You're not locked to one track or not, so you don't feel you are. You have no free will in the matter. Uh, there are four parts in the seminar, uh, in this today. The first one will be on atheism. The one is called In a Godless World, the worldview of atheism. The second one will be on deism and pantheism. The fourth one will be on theism. And the last one will be on some practical elements. Um, how many of you have heard of some of these isms before? Okay, probably been thrown around. There's a chart in front of you that, that I printed, that uh, the leaders happened to print out. And I, I'm, I'm asking you, please don't get discouraged when you look at this. This looks like, ooh, do I have to memorize this? You don't have to memorize this. If you have to memorize this, you have nothing better to do in your life than to, to memorize this. Uh, here's some uh, things if you want. Uh, but it helps at least to, to see systematically uh, what each of these worldviews are. Um, let's go to the first view. There are seven worldviews. There's deism, atheism, pantheism, panentheism, limited godism, polytheism, and theism. Now, there's these isms. Now, just get over the isms. But what happens is this. All of us have a worldview. All of us. Even those who have no worldview have <laughs> a what? A worldview. Uh, it, the, the reality is, is no one has a pure worldview. We're all mixtures of one or two. And what happens is this. When you look at atheists or agnostics, or and I, I work in campus ministries. We meet a lot of atheists on campus. Atheists are not stupid, or if you're agnostic, it's because they're dumb, or they're, just, they're, they're, they're horrible sinners, and they, they resulted in this. It's usually they have a particular thought that gets in your mind. And this one thought, causes this to be a logical conclusion. This causes this. And it's a logical progression from one to another. It bounces back and forth. This bouncing back and forth is called a worldview. And it all starts from the first initial idea that you had. Does it make sense? Okay. So we're going to look at each of these things. Um, and, and the reality is, a lot of us, we, a theism is the belief in a personal God. That's probably where we all want to be in. But a lot of times we may think we're theists because we're good Seventh-day Adventists, but sometimes we're living a political life like a pantheist, a spiritual life like an atheist. We believe in, in ethics like a panentheist, and we have, we have all these mixtures going on. And it's kind of like a buffet. You're like, well, I like this and this and this, and you have this, 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 this plate of just you know, Italian food, Chinese food, and Thai food, and, and it's just this weird concoction. But because you like it, this is your special confirmation of these things. And we're going to see that a lot of this is illogical, and it's irrational to, to kind of this mix, mishposh. Mishposh? Mix, mix mash? Hodge, hodgepodge? Insert your own word. Christians need to understand that each of these worldviews are consistent and continually need to be developed. We're going to look at what this means. 
avenues have much to learn, gain confidence for ourselves, and have much, much to contribute. And what happens is this, and I hope that when you understand some of this, not the exact elements, but the component, okay, I don't know what else to call it except the you'll be a little bit more confident on what you believe. And when you meet someone like, hey, you're an atheist, you won't freak out. How many of you, without raising your hands, when you meet someone you're an atheist, you're like, you're, you're, you don't believe in, and you kind of get that weird feeling, or, hey, I'm a, I'm a, a, a Zen Buddhist, you're like, whoa, okay, these are not, these are not evangelistic t- uh, methods or techniques, but this is just a way to understand and to be more comfortable in your own skin, and comfortable to talk with someone who is in their skin as well, and what happens is this, as a Christian, sometimes, if someone, they say, if someone says they're an atheist, you can ask questions, you can ask what, everybody? Jesus asked questions, not because he wanted to know, Right? Jesus asked questions to help the other person know what they know. Yeah? They say, hey, so why do you believe? And they're like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. And you, get, you start a conversation at that point. So these are more techniques on how to start a conversation. And this is where our, our personal experiences and testimonies will play a factor later on. Next slide, please. Typical atheism. Uh, we had a, a survey on the University of Michigan campus, and I come from the ministry called Campus for Adventist Ministry to Public University Students at Michigan Conference. We have about 3 to 12 missionaries who come to our program every year. It's a one-year program, two semesters long, um, and students take one year off, and they, they do campus ministries, and we teach them. And when one day, we asked them to go out on campus, and they did a survey. And uh, their survey was, what do you think of, of Christians? And they say that Christians are people who love Jesus are what? Fanatics. They receive info from the media. They're brainwashed. They doubt the Bible. This is the atheists doubt the Bible. They doubt God. They live for today. Everything is relative. Just keep going down all the way through. Um, that they come first. If Jesus comes up later on in a conversation, then I'll, I'll ask about it and find out about it then. But until now, I won't do that. Uh, was Jesus even real? Was he really inspired? Uh, is the resurrection even true? How do I get to heaven? What happens if I'm not good enough? Other problems. And they're asking, well, what's next? Well, ap- what, after you die, what happens? And what, is, is that even important after you die? Um, next slide. So 15% of the responses were non-theistic. Okay? 6% were true atheists. Uh, others were Shinto, Buddhists. Uh, and they just go all the way down. These are all the reasons why they're, they're, they're atheists. Okay? A lot of the time is because they grew up as an atheist, they're an atheist. Yeah? Are there a lot of Adventists when they, they, they're an Adventist because they, they grew up an Adventist or they're a Christian because they grew up in a Christian? Um, there's a couple of people who said they don't know. Agnostic is not a worldview, agnostic means that they don't know. Yeah? And we'll talk about this later. A lot of agnostics are agnostics, not because they don't know but because they really don't want to know. They don't want to sit and actually think and, and, and process some of these things. They're just like, you know what, it's, ah, I just don't know. And it's just more of an intellectual, lazy way, and sometimes even spiritually ignorant way of just going about things. Now, I'm not saying that they're, they're ignorant, but the, their process of, the way they process things are, is out of ignorance. Um, then they go to human psychology. I'm not going to read all these things. Um, they believe in science. Um, by the way, science and religion are not opposite ends. Yes, can you be religious, spiritual, and scientific at the same time? Absolutely. A lot of times they pit these two against each other. Um, the next slide, please. Okay, um, just go through the whole slide here. There are some new atheists. They're not so new anymore, uh, but they're, you guys, have these names been familiar to you? You have Richard Dawkins, who wrote The God Delusion, Sam uh, Harris and Daniel Dennett. There's another one. 
uh, and I forgot his name, but they call him the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And what's amazing about these atheists are before, atheists were private people. They're like, you know what? I don't believe in God. And they kind of were shy about it because the majority of, of American culture is, is they believe in God. But now the new trend is for the atheists to come out and they're bold and they're belligerent. And what they have is a personality. And Ellen White talks about that there are, there are professors on campus whose, um, whose words are so eloquent. It's not the actual thoughts or the ideas that they bring to the table, but because their charisma and their eloquence that is so magnetic that the, that the students think this is like, dude, this has got to be true. Not because of the idea itself, because of the personality. These guys have a personality, and they're very, very, very outgoing, and they're mean, they're sarcastic, and they're witty. There's something about wit. How many of you guys know witty people? There's just something like, man, that was just so funny. Like, that's so smart. And you're some, there's something in you that just kind of gravitates towards, like, man, I wish I had that kind of that, that, that charisma. Um, there, there's a, there, I, I didn't put this on the slide. There's something called Atheism 2.0. This is a recent phenomenon. And uh, this guy named Alain de Bouton is saying that, hey, these guys, they're mean and they're, they're going to attacking Christians. That's one level. But the next level of atheism on top of that is we got to learn from the Christians. Because the Christians became a big denomination, not by chance, but they thought about it. And we as atheists, we got to start, we can't just go around attacking Christians and theists. We got to like develop things. And they're doing this. Let's have... Let's have like meetings once a week where we get together and we can like, you know what? There's something about music that, that brings people together. Let's, let's like write songs. Uh, let's call them hymns. But instead of praising the Lord God, let's praise thinking and, and doubt and rationality. And then they come together and like, you know what? We got to do something for our kids. Let's have a, 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 a VTS, a, a vacation thinking school where people come together, and instead of learning about the Bible, they learn how to doubt the Bible. Then they have like, hey, we should have weekly meetings. Let's have elders and, and, and a leadership system. And we also need a way to finance all this. So we'll have a way to, for, for offering. What are they doing? They're creating a church. They're creating a church. And, and, and we're going to look at this a little bit later on, but it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. A lot of what? A lot of faith. I would say even more faith than a Christian to be an atheist. Uh, and, and, and they're saying, like, hey, we need a system, an accountability group, a, a corporation, a body that can have like-minded people to come together and, 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 and to teach this to our kids. Anyway, it's, it's a fascinating phenomenon. Um, they're even having something called de-baptisms. Have you heard of this? Where, uh, you know, in the, in the Christian church, you baptize people. Now you, you come in, and then they actually pull you out of the water, and then you, you, um, you get unbaptized if you were previously baptized. There's also the blasphemy challenge, where you go on the Internet, and you actually swear, curse out God. And it's your way of, of instead of pledging into the faith, now you're pledging out of the faith. And uh, crazy, crazy things. Uh, you got to admit, it's creative, but very, very, very crazy in what they're doing. Okay, next slide, please. You have the old atheists. You have Karl Marx, Jean-Paul Sartre, David Hume, Bertrand Russell, and then Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche's writings has, have influenced Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, Shaw, D.H. Lawrence, uh, Yeats, and, and Karl Jung. Okay? These are people that we're going to have to go through, but probably you've heard of them somewhere in the, in the background somewhere 
And, uh, and Ellen White writes about David Hume particularly. David Hume was a hardcore Christian. And he went to a Christian school, and he was um, enrolled in the debating society. We don't have debating societies today, but back then it was pretty awesome. And he was so awesome at debating, he won every argument. And one time he said, hey, you know what? We've got to uh, raise up the next generation of Christian debaters. Hey, David, can you actually play the other side to help us train our, our new kids? He's like, all right. So then instead of studying Christianity, he studied all the arguments against Christianity. And he was such a great debater that he won all the arguments. And then eventually he convinced himself. That, that, that God must not. So then it was, it was a double whammy. You know, all these, all these students are learning about this. And eventually he becomes a brilliant mind. And he gets into politics and, and, on, and the crazy philosophies there as well. She talks about just a, a particular seed and, and youth can, can not only impact the individual, but impact the entire generation. Next slide, please. You have everyday atheists. And there's different types of atheists. Uh, and, and I want to look at all, all seven of them. Level seven is you have closed atheists. These are hardcore atheists. They're, they're vitriolic, mean, and you cannot say anything to convince them otherwise. Jesus says there are a group of people, do not cast your pearls to, to swine. And there, there are some people that no matter how much you try, you just don't try. Maybe you're not the appointed person. Maybe it's not the appointed time. It's just, there's just not a good environment. Level six is our open atheist, highly intellectual. They listen to everything. They're, they're open about it. They're pretty firm in what they believe, but they're not as mean. They're just kind of, okay, that's an interesting perspective, but I don't agree with you. Level five is apathetic. Uh, these are individuals who don't care about the issues. They're just atheists because they're atheists and just the most convenient thing for them at that time. Level four are religious uh, atheists. These are people in cults or, 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 or uh, small little enclaves that, that, that vitriolic believe, vitriolically believe that God does not exist. Level three are general uh, atheists. They're just, they haven't studied issues, and if you become friends with them, they're probably very open to come to church, but that's just their default position in being an atheist. Then you have level two, you have Christian atheists. Are there people in church who don't believe in God? Yeah, they're Christian atheists. They say Christianity is a culture. You guys know Richard Dawkins, who is a, is a hardcore atheist. He says, culturally, I'm a Christian. But you don't believe in God. Oh, that doesn't matter. Christian church, you don't have to believe in God to be a Christian. Uh, well, you have to follow Christ. No, you don't. No, you don't. I, go to, I, go, I keep Christmas because of the culture. I, go, I keep Easter because of the culture. I go to church because of the culture. I, I, da, 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 I sing the songs because of culture. Let me ask, let me push, push this one step. Are there Adventist atheists? Who are just Adventists because of the culture. Uh, at this, at the whole, during that time, they, they don't believe in God. They could care less about God. and It doesn't matter anything. And then you have level one. You have seekers. They want to know about every religion out there. They want to know God, but they just haven't. They're just thinking, oh, until I know God, I, I just don't know God, and God must not exist, and you have different things. And so when you're reaching out an atheist, you want to kind of, now when you're witnessing to them, you want to be like, okay, you're, okay, you're a level 4.5, and you take out your little notes you got from OYC, and you're like, okay, you're a 4.5 Christian. No, this is just a kind of a map to see that not all atheists are the, the same. Amen? Is that clear? Just like all Christians, we're not all the same. You have baby Christians, and you have... What's the opposite of baby seasoned Christians, uh, Methuselah Christians? Okay, next next uh, slide, please. 
Okay, biblical injunctions, Colossians 4, 6, we should know how to answer everyone. And then you have 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16 that we looked at today. Do not be afraid, be ready with meekness and fear. And then Luke 10, 17 means love the Lord with all these components, but especially love the Lord with your what? With your mind. Your heart and your body and your soul. But there's one component, love your Lord with your, with your mind. So as a Christian, it is not wrong to be cerebral, to be intelligent. Sometimes in American culture, if you're too smart, you almost have to apologize. You have to say, you know what, I'm sorry. If you're too smart, you're not spiritual, right? But if you read the book, True Edu Education, True education, education is about developing the physical, the spiritual, and the mental all harmoniously. So we should not apologize uh, to, to engage in exercises such as this. Next slide, please. The seven worldviews. Uh, address truth and knowledge, the universe, God, law and values, evil, ethics, and meaning. This is the charts that you have in front of you. We are probably not going to go through all this, but we might go through some, through some components. Next slide. Okay, you have pantheism. We'll cover this. You can skip this slide. We're going to cover this in our next, next, next thing. You have theism. You have the three great religions, Islam, Judea, and Christianity. Um, Islam is thrown in there. It's kind of a hybrid between theism and deism. We'll talk about that later. Uh, the, the main thing about theism is that God is personal. Okay? God is personal. What that means is there are religions out there that believe that God is impersonal, meaning he exists, but can you talk with him? No. Does he care about you? No. He's just there. Now, theists believe that God is personal, meaning can you talk with him? Yes. Can you interact with him? Yes. Does he care for you? Can you care for him? Yes. There's a relationship that occurs between the two. Uh, man was originally created immortal. Uh, evil is caused by choice, and ethics is grounded in the absolute person of God. We'll talk about that later as well. Next slide. If other worldviews, we'll cover that in our next, uh, this is an introduction, we'll cover that in our next one. Next slide. Okay, atheism. You have Taoism, Jainism, and Humanism. Oh, let's go. Okay. Um, these are the three main expressions of atheism out there. You have the universe is what? Eternal. Okay. This, the contradiction is this. They have a hard time believing that God is eternal. But if you take God out of the equation, something else has to be eternal. So they'll say the actual universe, nature itself, is Eternal. It always was, is, and ever shall be. The universe is the Alpha and the Omega. And it was by chance came to be out of, out of nothing. Just happened to be. Um, and so it's very interesting that the components that we ascribe to God are now ascribed to the, the universe, just the general universe. Man is evolved from molecules. And this is huge. Okay, now you see how this works. If man comes from, and by man I mean not males, but all of humanity, yes? If humans come from molecules, do molecules know right from wrong? Like this chair. Does this chair know how to be a good moral chair? Does he, does he wake up in the morning and he's like, today I'm going to be on all four feet. If today I'm on all three feet, I'm, someone's going to fall and hurt themselves, that would be wrong. I don't want to be a bad chair. I'm going to be a good chair today. And today, the, the, my, myself, the, the cushion's going to be nice and soft, and whoever sits on it, I'm going to be as comfortable as possible for whoever sits on me. Is that what the chair says? No, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just there. 
So then if we came from this matter, molecules, then are we also moral individuals? Do we have a good or wrong system? No. Then if there's no good or wrong, then you're going to look at the tick, 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 because it gets pretty profound what happens if you don't believe in this kind of stuff. Okay? Anyway, I jump ahead of myself. I, this, this is very exciting for me. And, and what happens is when, when someone says they're atheists, you have to draw out these questions in them. You know? Anyway, let's keep on going here. Uh, evil is real. This is interesting. Evil is real, even though they don't believe in, in morality. But it's defeated by what? Education. The more you know will help you not be evil. Now, the reality is the more education you get, the more evil your education will, no, more uh, educated evil you will do. Right? Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, I think it was Whitfield or was it Wesley? Oh, man, one of those old-time awesome preachers. He says, you take a robber who robs banks and you give them an education, and they'll just learn how to rob the bank more educatedly, right? Uh, this, this whole financial crisis of 2008 to, to whatever was all propagated by graduates of Harvard and, and, and Princeton. And so the, 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 the Harvard Business School deans are thinking, man, we are responsible for this. And, then, and people are saying, what are you going to do about it? I mean, we, our ethics courses don't do I think we may have to think about teaching religion and the basis for ethics uh, in Harvard Business School because they're they're responsible for this. Basically, the world collapsed from these guys and the brilliant minds who who cause all this stuff. Anyway, I digress. Um, Defeated by education, and then ethics are are relative. And we'll talk about that means later. Keep going here. You have Nietzsche. He says Nietzsche is one of the the great uh, thinkers of, of atheism. He says that Christianity... Christianity is the one great curse. And his objective was to eliminate this from, from, the, from the world. He saw no light at the end of the tunnel. And he said that the, he, he had this theme called the loneliness of existence. That's very, very depressing. If you look at pure atheism, it is very difficult to be a pure atheist. A lot of atheists are actually theists. Under, under an atheistic umbrella, okay? Now, this, like, for example, this, this, this chair, it's made from matter, and this chair is all by itself. It has, doesn't have a connection with any other chair. No. Then if we come from matter, like, just like this chair, then we also are, are, do I have a connection with him? No. I'm just by myself. And really, at the end of the day, who am I? I am just a bunch of molecules that evolved from a monkey, that evolved from an iguana, that evolved from a, a, a worm, that evolved from a bacteria, that evolved from nothing, from a little rock. Well, I don't even know how that works. That I'm just here, I'm a rock. Then what's the point? And you've and, and you got to grapple with these things. Okay? It says loneliness, loneliness of existence is the normal way of life. Very, very depressing if you look at it. Um, he talks about Christianity in the book Madman. He said, what are these churches now if they are not the tombs and sepulchers of God? And his point is, God is dead. And all these Christians and all these church people are worshiping a dead God. Um, two predictions he made is that, number one, if God is dead, the 20th century will be the bloodiest century in human history. 
And if you look at historically, was the 20th century the bloodiest century in, on earth? Yes, it was. More people died in the wars in the, 20th, the 1900s than all the previous 20 centuries combined. And, and second, he says there will be universal madness. And this is what he's saying. He's not critiquing. He's like, if you take God out, all of humanity will be universally, they will go, go crazy. And he's saying, this is, he's saying that. And, he, and, and you think, well, why does he believe in this? Isn't this wrong? Well, he doesn't believe in a right or a wrong. This is just the way that things are. He rejected the Sermon on the Mount. He said that if the world was run by Jesus' principles, everyone would be a loser. You know, if you get punched on that one side and you turn your other cheek, you get punched on that side and then you get punched on the, like, the stomach and you, you die. How do you survive? That's a, that's a horrible way of living. And he came up with the idea of nihilism, meaning no values, no morals, uh, no truth, nothing. There's nothing out there. Okay? Isn't this a happy topic? Now, you, you talk to atheists, and the point is this. Once they concede that there's a value in something, boom, game over. You've already won. Then from that little something, you have to build up something to say, hey, you're not an atheist. You're not a real atheist. You can't live as an atheist. Okay. Um, atheists usually love, love their moms and dads, love friends and family. And, and a true atheist says, there's, there's no value to me whatsoever. Meaningless. If my mom and dad die, they're, they're molecules. If the chair died, it means nothing. If my, my best friend, my spouse dies, it means nothing. It's meaningless. Let's keep going. Atheism, the doctrine of belief that there is no God. This is, the, this is a contradiction. If you understand this and can explain this to somebody, this is you, you, this game over here. Uh, atheists say, quote, I, as an atheist have infinite knowledge that there is no one else in the universe that has infinite knowledge. Do you see the contradiction in that? So you got to think about, and, and Mark Finley used this. Used this. You know, he was asked to speak at the Kremlin in Russia. You guys all know who Mark Finley is? He's the tall, famous... Okay, you know. Okay, he they, they, uh, he had all of Russia's most in, uh, 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 highest uh, scientists come together, and they said, "Prove to us the existence of." And they said in a, in a Russian accent, and all this going on, and, and Mark Finney's like, "Whoa, what do I say? Like, this is like Russia. Like, what do I do?" And boom, like God gives him the answer at that instance, and, and and he says, "Okay," and he says, "Okay, ladies and gentlemen, in this room is are, are Russia's most highly educated people." Of all the percentage of the, the knowledge of the universe, what percentage of this knowledge is known by all the people collected in this room? Yeah, we have the head of astrophysics, the head of neurophysiology, the head of like all these guys. Of all the knowledge that we all know, what percentage of that is in the universe? And they're like, oh, it's 0.0000001%. So Mark Finney is like, okay, that, that, that's a great estimate. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'll say that we know 1% of everything in the universe in this room. And he's trying to build and build them up. They're like, okay, yeah, we know 1%. Yes, yes, yes. He's like, how is it that we only know 1% of the knowledge of the universe, but how can we be so confident that in the other 99% of the that there is no God? How can we say that? And then it's a quiet in the Kremlin. It's quiet. 
After that, Mark Finley preached a sermon, had an altar call. You have all these, like, director of astrophysics coming up and wanting to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. Amazing. Okay. So this isn't just philosophy and knowledge. Like, this is all things that we can use for the Lord Jesus. There are four areas that we want to cover today. Origin, values, meaning, and life. We're going to look at those a little bit more carefully. Okay? Number one, origin. There is no creator or no origin. Are there in the Seventh-day Adventist church, individuals who believe in this atheistic premise. What happens is, sometimes out of convenience, and we're going to see why, why this happens, some people take this. They, they say, you cannot answer the hows or the whys. How did the world come up? Can't answer that. Why did the world? Can't answer that. It's not important. There are general contradictions and internal weaknesses within science the scientific uh, disciplines contradict each other and prevent a synthesis from being developed. What this means is this. Next slide, please. In mathematics, okay, the chance of life is 1 in 10 to the 40,000th power. Okay, do you guys understand like, how big of a number that is? You, you write the number 1, and you write 40,000 zeros after that. Now, 1... Over that number is the, is the percent chance that life could have happened. Okay? Is that a big number? It's so big that you don't understand how big they're like, oh, that's pretty big. <laughs> okay? The brain has 10,000 other cells it needs to contact, connect to. So then you like, the brain is very complex. It's, it's connecting, it's connecting, it's connecting, 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 connecting. And then you have 100 billion long nerve cells that it's connecting to. Okay? Now, each of these disciplines, you have mathematics, you have the bi- biology, chemistry, physics, and each of them has their own version of how the world began. But you put all these things together, and they don't even make sense within themselves. Does this make sense? For, for, for 10,000 billion cells to, or, or what is it, 10,000? A billion long nerve cells to all connect. The time that it takes for this to evolve, even if evolution is true, for it all to evolve, is longer than the existence that the universe ha- could, could even come about with. Do you understand? Like, even the numbers don't, don't fit in. It's a, it's a puzzle that just doesn't work. Chemistry. Is it more probable that life came from a hydrogen atom than from a creator? Okay? These guys say this. It's, it's amazing. I went to some of these science courses, and they'll say they put up a picture of hydrogen atom. All behold the hydrogen atom. We give glory to the... This is, I'm not mocking. This is what they say. Isn't it amazing what evolution can do? All life comes from this atom. And I'm thinking, dude, you sound like a Southern Baptist preacher. You just take God out and you put Adam in there instead. They're just as religious, but it's just this weird switcheroo. They don't like God, so they put in frog or Adam or duck. Okay. Biology. Francis Crick said DNA has been found and it needs machinery. Therefore, life came from where? Outer space. DNA is too perfect. You guys know DNA, the, the, the double helix? It's too perfect of a code. This is too mechanical. This was not evolved. Some kind of intelligence had to be here. So this intelligence wasn't on Earth. It came from outer space. Richard Dawkins' interview says, hey, do you, where do you believe life came from? It came from outer space. And the question that the person should have asked, but they didn't, where did that life come from? And these guys come up, maybe it was aliens. 
Maybe it was a UFO that implanted a, a DNA on a rock and was sent here. Like all these weird ideas, but they think that is more believable. Anyway, let's keep on going. I've got to calm down here. Genetic mutations do not result in corresponding single changes. What we're finding in genetic theory is we used to think that we have all these genes, and then you change this, and my eyes turn blue. My hair turns, turns green. I become tall. I become short. I become Asian. I turn black. You know, we, think, we thought it was one and one. We're finding more as genetic theory progresses. It's not a one-to-one -one thing. For me to be Asian, it's like 500 million. And he changed like another 30,000 of those. My hair turns black. You change 20,000 of those. My hair turns gray. Then my hair, my hair falls out. All these weird different things. What happens is one gene, though, does not control one thing. One gene is in, is in, is in a group of other genes and different and very, 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 very complex. Then they're realizing, man, this, this is a lot. This, so complex that the human brain cannot grasp. Even, even pure genetic theory. Physics. You have entropy. You guys know, I don't know if you guys know this from, from uh, thermodynamics. Entropy always increases, but bio, biological organisms maintain their structure at the expense of a system, meaning in, 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 in natural physics, heat always dissipates. But in biology, they always try to maintain their heat, maintain their energy. Why does this happen? This is the, there's internal contradictions. And in anthropology, there are evolutionary gaps. Okay, you think in, in anthropology, you'd have you know, monkey, 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 and then slowly become, what's after monkey? The, the next, you know, like walking monkey, walking monkey, walking monkey, then, then Neanderthal, 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 then human, 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 right? But you don't have that. In anthropology, you have monkey, monkey, then you have like a thousand years, a million years of nothing, then you have like this weird little like super tall monkey show up, and then thousand million years of nothing, thousand million years. Uh, anyway, a long time of nothing, then you have like a human being, and then you're nothing, and then a chimpanzee, chimpanzee. It's all out of order. And what they do is, if you guys look in your textbooks, you, you know that picture of like the, the monkey who becomes the Neanderthal, becomes a human being? That, 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 that is not true. These are all out of time sequence, but they just put the picture together to make the, give the illusion, like, oh, we've evolved from these things. And they found today that a lot of the guys in between, the missing link, are also all hoaxes. They actually take the skull of a human brain, they put it onto a gorilla, and then they find all these. Um, if you guys get a chance, listen to Sean Pittman's presentation on, on this. It's fascinating. Okay, if you want to look at conspiracy theories, I mean, this is the, the largest conspiracy ever. Not ever, but it's pretty crazy. Okay, let's go to the next one here. Values. Are you guys with me? Is this, is this fascinating to you? I don't know. Is this, 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 uh, for me, at the end of the day, I have compassion and pity. On, on these individuals. And then there's, and I've met some people who are so hardcore atheist. They, they hold on to so much. Their faith is so strong. They're willing to disavow any value or meaning in their life. And we'll look at what the end result that really means. Values. Atheism cannot explain deontology. Deontology is a fancy word that means duty, commitment, loyalty, obligations, or the word ought. Deontology is what makes Hollywood awesome, according to the world. Okay? Deontology is this. Gentlemen love, uh, in the world love, love war movies, right? You have, they're fighting, they're fighting, and one of their, one of their friends are, is in the battlefield. Well, the guy is going through, what should I do? I ought to go and save him. 
It's my duty to go save him. And there's something about duty and honor that just riles you up, doesn't it? So he goes, and the music turns on, and some trumpet playing in the background, French, French. And he goes in, there's bullets flying in, he carries the other guy on his back, and, he's, and then he, he saves him. And at the last minute as he saves him, he gets shot, and he dies, and all the men are crying, and, and like, this is, this, is, this is an awesome movie, right? There's something about, when you use deontology, it, it, it inspires the, the humanity in us. Ladies, it's, 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 it's romance. A, a man falls in love with a, a, with a woman. A man falls in love with a woman, right? A man and a woman. And, and, and it's like, man, he, he's willing to, to climb any mountain and to swim over any ocean and finally meet her. And, and it's his duty, it's his honor to find the woman that he loves at no cost. And he finally meets her and then they embrace. And then it's a sunset and they, I know, the, the violin's playing. That's this deontology. If you have no deontology, an atheistic movie would be this. War is going on. The guy's falling. He's like, survive the fittest. And he goes home. The end. Is that a good movie? No. Man falls in love with a woman. He's like, you know, that's too long of a ride. <laughs> I'm just going to do nothing. End of the movie. Is that, a, is, that, is, that, is that a powerful Hollywood movie? No. Even regular society knows deontology is true. But deontology cannot be explained by atheists. What is this larger call? There is none of these things. You have the clockmaker, timekeeper syndrome, and what happens is ethics becomes relative. There's, there's, there's no value system. Nothing is, is uh, important. And what happens is this. The clockkeeper, timekeeper uh, uh, contradiction is this. There once was a man who was a, 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 a clockmaker, and all these clocks. And every day, someone would come and in, front of his house, uh, in front of his shop, and he'd match his watch to all the clocks in the shop. You guys with me? Every day, at the same time. He's... Okay, every day. And so one day, the clockmaker went outside, and he was sweeping, around, sweeping the front, and the, and the guy came, and he says, hey, what do you do for a living? Why do you come every morning in front of my shop to see what time it is and match your watch to my clocks? And he said, oh, I'm the bell tower ringer, the town bell tower ringer. And the guy's face turns white. He's like, really? He's like, why, are you okay? The problem, and the guy says, the problem is, every day at noon, when the bell rings, I change all my clocks to match the time of the bell. So they're looking at each other and like, then what time is it? No one knows what time it is. Does this make sense? Now you take that time thing, and this is how atheists work in a value system. You know, I, you know I, I, I think this is good and bad because that's what my culture says. But this culture determines what this culture does. But this culture gets their cues from that. This, and at the end of the day, no one knows what, what's right or wrong because we're all depending on each other. Make sense, you guys? Okay. Atheists may live ethical lives, but there is no moral obligation or argument for it. Okay. So they may live a good and bad life. But they don't know why. They don't know why if it's better or not. And Bertrand Russell says that ethics is like colors. I like this better, not because it's good, just because I like the color blue better than the color red. It's a preference. It's an option. Okay, next slide. You have meaning. Everything is meaningless. Everything is relative. All, uh, nothing has meaning. All those three are contradictions. Okay, the first one. Everything is meaningless. 
well, if everything's meaningless, is that statement meaningless? Is that statement part of everything? Well, yeah. Well, if that's meaningless, then that's not true. Well, if it's not true, then everything has meaning. Yeah, and you, you see how it just kind of like, okay. The second one, everything is, well, have you heard this before? Well, everything is relative anyway. Uh, okay. Well, what you just said, is that part of everything? Yeah, well, because what you said is also relative. But, and then they get into this, like, <laughs> they go in circles. Uh, nothing has meaning. Everything is meaning. Anyway, I said it already. All are self-contradictions. Next slide. And lastly, you have life. Since there is no meaning, no creator for an origin of life, or values attributed to life, there is no reason to what? To live. That's the ultimate conclusion. If I came from nothing, then the logical conclusions of my life is I'm going to revert to nothing. And what you see is in the 50s or 60s, I don't recommend you watch it. I don't even know the, 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 the film. But when I was in college, I watched this black and white movie that it was, it was a, a French movie and they were getting into existential film classes, and uh, the movement was an existential film. And the whole movie was to prove there is no meaning. So you have a black and white uh, film, man and woman, and it's like three or four hours long. Horrible movie, horrible. And there's no words in it. No words. And it's long for a reason. And uh, the man and wife, they meet together in Paris, and they're walking. They're walking, walking, walking. Long periods of just walking. And they look at each other and like, why do we walk? I don't know. There's no point of walking. Then they go eat, and they're eating at Paris's restaurants. They're eating, and they're eating, and they're eating. And then they look at each other and like, why are we eating? There's no point of eating. Then they go to a hotel, and they're making love, and making love, and they're like, what's the point of this? It's not even fun. Then they go dancing, and then they all do all these things. And it's, just, it's boring. Like you're actually contemplating, like, what's the point of life as you're watching this? And finally, they're back in their hotel rooms. And then the guy pulls out a gun, and he points it at the girl. And for the first time, in the whole movie, they're expressionless. There's no expression. But when the, the gun comes out, the lady, uh, uh, there's a little smirk, a little smile for the first time in the film. And for the first time, she's experiencing what we call awe and wonder. She's like, life is meaningless, but man, death sounds awesome. There's something exciting. I don't know anything about death. What happens is the guy kills her, the guy kills himself, that's the end of the movie. And you're like, oh, you're like, I just wasted four hours of my life. But that's the point. The movie is trying to say, even you watching this movie was a waste of life. Life is meaningless. Now, is that true? Jesus came to this earth. He says, I have come down here to give you life, and not just regular life, but life abundantly. Isn't that amazing? That, 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 that's got, there's, there's such an attraction to that. Life, not just regular life, life abundantly. Meaning we live, we live life where the volume is always on the highest, um, whatever that's, that is. Okay? Life causes despair, according to atheists. There is no such thing as friends. Why? If we descended from, from, from amoeba, there's one amoeba. Are they affectionate towards another amoeba? No. It, there's no such thing as family. 
to them, marriage will not make sense. Incest is just regular. That, that's not my brother and sister. That's just a regular other human being. Sexuality has no meaning. It's just a biological function. It's just you look at the world all very cold and just without value at all. Uh, dreams. What are dreams? Dreams. Dreams and aspirations and hopes mean absolutely nothing. These are just weird little images, brain sparks that go on. They have no meaning whatsoever. Uh, accomplishments and relationships. There is no such thing as love. There's no such thing as a connection. There's no such thing as a relationship. That's the ultimate clear-cut definition of an atheist. Today, are you happy that you're not an atheist? Do you know people who are atheists, even though they may call themselves a Christian or an Adventist, or both, who live a life of atheism? What is the answer to this? Next, next slide. While atheists may believe in their worldview, they live out a mixture of other worldviews. Okay? Are all atheists suicidal and depressed and, and horrible? No. A lot of them are actually very, very happy. They have a beautiful relationship with their spouse and their, and their parents. But are they living a pure atheist life? No, it's inconsistent. They're stealing from the theistic worldview under the umbrella that God doesn't exist. And they're, eventually, they're, they're essentially living, eating their cake. Uh, they have their cake and they're eating it too, the best of both worlds. Okay? Um, Psalms 14, 1 through 3. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, I can turn there really quick. Psalms 14 is really good. <clears throat> Psalms 14, 1 through 3 is really good. Now, I recommend that you do not use this first verse to share it with, with, uh, with, with atheist friends. Psalms 14, verse four, Psalms 14, verse 1 through 3. Are you there? The Bible reads, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible reads, The fool has said in his heart, there is no... Okay. Now, I know individuals, I have, we have missionaries who, who view this verse. Hey, see, are you an atheist? The Bible says that you're a fool. So you should be a Christian. Is that a great way to witness to somebody? That has had a 0% success rate, so please don't use that. But what the Bible is saying is, is more, more profound than that. The fool is sitting there in his heart. There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did what? Understand and seek God. But, verse, 13, verse 3, they are all gone what? Aside, they are all together, they all together become filthy. There is none, none that does good, no, not one. Basically, the point is this. God is looking down from heaven, he's looking, is, is there anyone that's seeking him? But he looks and is, is anyone seeking him? Atheism is not an intellectual conclusion, but it is the mere assent that they don't want God in their lives. So they're creating a worldview that's consistent with that one thought. What happens if God, what if God's not in my life? Then, then where do I come from? Well, if God doesn't around, then I didn't come from anything. Well, if I didn't come from anything, is there any meaning for me now? If there's no meaning for me now, is there any meaning for me in the future? If there's no meaning in the future, what's the point of relationships? Then how should I live with the people that I live? Do I have a responsibility towards them? responsibly ethically, politically, socially, biologically. You see how it all just 
in the end, there's no point. That final that wants the point of life. Nothing. Then what should I do? The final conclusion is that maybe I shouldn't be alive. And guess how Nietzsche died? He killed himself. When you're intellectually consistent with atheism, the conclusion is death. Yes? And does anyone want to live in a worldview where the natural conclusion is death? No. And these are the questions that we need to draw out in our fellow, um, fellow friends. Malcolm Mugger says this, if, if God is dead, somebody is going to have to take his place. It will either be megalomania or erotomania. If you don't know what those words mean, he says uh, it's the drive for power or for the drive for what? Pleasure. It's the clenched fist or the phallus. You're either Hitler or Hugh Hefner. I just like, like the way he, the alliteration he writes that. And you look at the world today, in the 20th century, when you take God out, a lot of people say that God is responsible for all the wars in European history. Is that true? I don't think God is responsible. I think there's just corrupt religion. Religions are responsible. But when you take God out, in the 20th century, it's those groups that did not believe in God that did more horrible works in the previous 19th centuries combined. And in the 20th century and the 21st century that we're living in now, if you take God, you're either going to want power or pleasure. Those are the only two powers that are, that, are more, that are potent enough to fill partially that void in our hearts. Yes? In America, what's more powerful, pleasure or power? I believe with my generation, Pleasure is just everywhere now. You find pleasure customized to every... Anyway, we don't have to go into that. Okay. Next slide. Have courage in the theistic worldview. Okay, after this, you, your, your natural question is like, man, I want to know about the theistic view. Like, I want to know my own. How does this work? Okay, we should have courage in our, in our, in our own worldview. Uh, some, some, tip, uh, some points are to initiate or continue dialogues with those with atheistic perspectives. And, and with atheists, the, the most powerful witness is a loving relationship. Why? Because their whole point is there is no such thing as love. There is no such thing as relationship. But if you can show them there is a powerful, loving relationship, they cannot deny that. It's part of our human composition. You, you cannot deny that. So they're, they're going to think, man, okay, I have this friend. This guy loves me so much. Man, this guy's like my best friend. Like, I don't agree with anything. He goes, goes to a stupid church, but he just loves We're just so awesome friends. Then what happens is his first is like, well, there is such thing as a relationship. Well, if there is a relationship, there is such thing as love. Well, if there's, and you're going to help them think through one step of each of those things. And then number three is uh, it's, it is difficult to live as a true atheist as Nietzsche, and this is, you got to help them consistently get through the end point, and like, hey, if you really want to be an atheist, you're going to end up like Nietzsche. As if it's a very dangerous thing, because if they're stubborn, and if they're consistent enough, they'll embrace it. But the majority of human beings will not consider suicide as the logical conclusion. It's not a happy ending. Okay. I think, I think that's, is that one more slide after this? This last slide. The, uh, let's go to our chart here. Let's go to our chart here. 
And you look at the, the let's say, one, two, three, four, fifth column here. Okay. Fifth column says atheism on top. Now, please don't be discouraged with this chart. This is not a perfect chart. I just made this up. Some people think this is easier to look at. Oh. Let's see. I need a chart here. Thank you. This chart, this is what we call systems. Okay, thanks. The systems, <laughs> you're saying hi. <laughs> the systems, um, there is a movement out there that does not like this stuff. It's too boxy and it's like too organized. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in this. This movement is called postmodernism. Have you heard of this movement? Okay. They're like, it doesn't matter what we can be. You can be in whatever box you want. And we hate boxes and they'll rip this thing down. But what happens is, if you rip this up, I'm not saying literally, but if you don't believe in this, that also is another system. Okay. It's just part of what we are. To be, to be consistent, you just be consistent, logical and consistent. Anyway, you go down, go to atheism there. Are you guys with me? The first section, if you don't believe in God, then the world is uncreated, it's eternal, it's material, and it's, itself has also evolved. There is only the world, there is no God, there is no world-God relationship. Human beings evolved by chance. You can fold it to make it easier um, to see. Miracles are impossible. Human nature is only the mortal body, body only. Our destiny, the human destiny, is eventually what? Extinction. Excuse me. All the bacteria back then extinct, uh, died. All the dinosaurs became extinct. Our, eventually, uh, our eventual destiny is extinction. The origin of evil came out of ignorance. To end it is through education. Yes? The basis for ethics is, that means why should we be ethical? It's simply to what? survive. Okay? So if, if, if my sister was being raped, then I, I, I have an ethical basis to kill that rapist, and after that, I can, I can eat him. There, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And then, then I can eat my sister, and, then, and, and dance afterward. Like, there's no right and wrong. It's whatever you do to survive is what's right. If you're alive at the end of the day, and you are not extinct, then you are ethical, which is their mode of thinking. Nature of ethics is relative. History and goal is infinite, infinitely linear. That's abstract stuff. And two examples of those people are David Hume and Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, some people. Okay. Any questions that you have from today regarding atheism? Yes? Unitarians. Mm-hmm. Unitarians, I would say, are a, a particular branch. They're not necessarily atheistic. They're just basically everything goes. Uh, they're, they're more more pantheistic. We're going to cover that in that next, next, uh, next seminar. Yeah, good question. No one else? After reflecting on this, are you glad that you are not an atheist? Uh, can I ask, and you don't have to, don't raise your hands, uh, self-reflect, are there elements within you that seem to be attracted to some components of atheism? Do you at least understand the freedom that they experience? But you also realize the freedom that they experience is ultimately, in the end, is not really real freedom. You take God out, and you're also in another, another thing in itself. Who is the only person that can give us true freedom, true life, true way, true, true truth? Lord Jesus. I think a lot of the debate of, 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 of church 
evangelism is the method by which we win people is in itself the result as well. A lot of people don't, don't realize it or don't want to realize it. But the medium that we use to win people, that itself is also the goal. How we win people is what they will become. So at least in youth ministry, I've been in youth ministry for a while. We got we to use we movies and, and the latest pop culture. Uh, and, and I just came back from Germany. There was, there's heavy metal at, at, at the church. It's, it's the most disturbing thing. I don't, I don't know if you guys have this in Oregon. Maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Just heavy metal and screaming, Jesus, head banging, smoke machines. And I said, well, this is a way to attract those who are in heavy metal. Okay, uh, there's no doubt they might be attracted. But when you attract them, that's the ultimate goal where they're going to be. They're not going to, they're, they're going to do that forever in the church. And, that, and we've got to agree, that's not the ultimate goal of Christianity for us to be. Uh, Anything else is a bait and switch. Yeah, exactly. And then that's when exactly. Oh, well, you tricked me. And I think when people realize that they've been, they've been conned, oh. Then it makes it priceless. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We have to show the end result, and that's the means by which we win people. It's love. It's a relationship. It's, it's Christ-likeness, character. You know. Um, yeah. Well, let's conclude in, in a word of prayer. And uh, hopefully you've all been depressed today, and you're like, man, what is the point of life? Uh, we're going to look at theism in our third seminar. You're free to go and go to other. There's wonderful other seminars. But I, I don't know if you noticed, but me, just, I forget energetic. Like, this is so much fun for me. But please, 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 do, do not misunderstand me. Do not take this chart out when you're witnessing to someone. Okay, you're like, oh, you're an atheist. Oh, we just had a seminar you pulled out. Okay, your, your version of, according to this chart, is your, 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 you believe in extinction? That's your future? Uh, I'm, I'm not making fun of you. There's people who, who I've seen have done that. And I'm saying it's, this is not a, uh, that's not a good technique at all. Uh, but do you, do, does it help you at least to understand, like, this is where they're coming from? And the questions we ask, the this is what Jesus mastered, the The woman at the well was a conversation, you know, without condemning anyone. Jesus was beautiful. Beautiful intellectually, beautiful character-wise. We all have to aspire to be like Jesus in that respect. Yes, sir. Oh, agnostics, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, the very good question. Agnostics, uh, they, they think they are also another column. But the very difficult thing is they don't know. So everything is just all across, and they just kind of pick and choose. And the reality is the normal human being is a mixture of a lot of these things. Right? Uh, and then say, hey, why do you? I don't know. Well, they, the, the agnostics are individuals who refuse to be consistent. Refuse to be consistent. Uh, it, if we call for consistency in thought and in life, then they have to fit one of these things. So that's why it's very difficult to put agnostic on one of these things. Yeah, good question. Very good question. Well, join me in prayer, friends. Join me in prayer. Gracious Father, we submit to you our entire minds, our entire hearts, our bodies. And Lord, uh, the words of Jesus, uh, love the Lord with all our mind, our heart, our soul, our body. Lord, may this come true for all of our lives here in this room. Bless my brothers and sisters in a very special way, including myself. And Lord, when, when we are placed to be in front of an atheist, Father, grant us the compassion of heaven towards this individual. Father, we may even have friends and family members who are atheists themselves. 
Give us the, the heart, the words, and the mind of Jesus himself and to win the soul for your cause. This is only done by your spirit, not through eloquence or argumentation or, or intellectual uh, study of the worldviews. But grant us that spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.